desde la banca hasta el portero le piden que apriete. El centro de la pelota, viva gol, 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 gol. Se salva Monarcas, increíble. ¡Ah, qué cosa tan hermosa es el fútbol! Y Monarcas vino de atrás, no dobló los brazos y con este gol. Se está salvando el equipo de Monarcas. ¡Qué momento del partido! It's in. It's in. That was me on Saturday night when I saw Rui Diaz stretch out a leg and manage to squeeze the ball in at the far post in the 91st minute of Morelia's game at Monterrey. A goal which completely changed the complexion of the season in what was an extraordinary, extraordinary night. A ridiculous final week. We had, at, at different points, Chiapas uh, going down, Morelia going down. We had América in the playoffs, we had Pachuca in the playoffs, and eventually Morelia in the playoffs and staying up with Chiapas down. So many twists and turns and three just remarkable games. Three games that I think if you watch them on their own would be very memorable games. All three obviously mattered so much and they were so open. The second halves of the three games were crazy. You had... yeah, All three of them were so open and... Every couple of minutes, someone was having a good chance. And it wasn't like it was one team dominating. Okay, Monterey dominated Mourinho a bit. But still, you had all six teams that were playing at that time having chances, having decent chances every few minutes. You just never knew where the next goal was going to come from. In total, in the second half of those three games, there were 59 shots on goal. 59 shots. That is how good those second halves were. And like I said, I think on their own, they'd have been very memorable games. Great games. Chuck them all together at the same time. I don't know if any of you guys were like me, but I had all three games on at once. Just amazing, amazing, amazing excitement. And certainly an instantly unforgettable Liga Mekis evening. Um, just not not only were they so open and there were so many chances, but what was happening was was just stupid. I mean, Manu Perez has played had played a hundred and sixty six minutes in his career in Liga Mekis. That's it. He hadn't even played two games worth. He comes on, and within like five minutes or, or so, I think it was actually yeah. He comes on the sixty third minute. Five minutes later, he scores, makes it. 2-1, two minutes later he scores an absolute golazo curling the ball into the top corner and it's 2-2, he's played 166 minutes in his career and he's just come on and scored two in two minutes to what was then put America into the playoffs, it would have been an incredible thing, but they conceded uh, Oscar Mario gets the goal, which means something even more extraordinary has happened, which is that Morelia with one goal in the 91st minute after they they lost their lead in the 86th minute. So drama there. 
as well, especially as it was a penalty. They come back. They, they, they probably should have conceded a penalty a couple of minutes later as well. It looked like Monterey would see up the game. They come back. Uh, Vilcis has some space on the right-hand side, whips in across. Sansores hits the front post, flicks it on. He's dragged his marker with him. Rui Diaz unmarked, stretches out a foot into the far post. Just about squeezed in past Hugo Gonzalez. And with that goal, they're safe. And not only are they safe, they're up to eight. They're into the playoffs. It's absolutely ridiculous. You could only have it in this country, in this amazing league. And they could go and win the league. And, oh, I really would like them to. I mean, I don't, you know, I am a neutral. I don't care who wins the league. I think there's so many teams that would be worthy winners right now. And I would be happy for so many of the, of the teams that have made it into the gear if they went on to win the league. But just for the story, for the sheer ridiculous story of going from relegated to champions in, well, effectively in, in, in a 91st minute goal and then, you know, in the, in the following three weeks. Three weeks going from relegated to champions, that would be insane. Uh, yeah, never know, could happen. Okay, uh, speaking of Ligia, let's get into it. This week, big topic is uh, the Ligia quarterfinals, the matchups. And I'm going to have a quick talk through the four games, just previewing them. And uh, yeah, so let's start with, let's start with Morelia. Let's start with the first seeds against the eighth seeds, Tijuana against Morelia. So an interesting matchup, certainly. What you've got here is, is a question of, I think a big question is how will Morelia be in terms of their physical and mental state. They've obviously had a really draining past few weeks where they've been playing some massive, massive games, must-win games. Uh, they've managed to yeah, pick up two victories in their last two games to save them. And that's not that's not easy. Obviously, they've been they've been giving it absolutely everything physically and and mentally as well. It would have been so draining to come through that and then to 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 do it to succeed to stay up it would have been a great release. And you wonder if they can keep up that intensity for now for the Ligia uh, or whether they will seem a bit drained. Cholos, on the other hand, have have. Cr- well, they've kind of cruised in recent weeks. They had that disappointing defeat to Tigres, but they've picked up four wins in their last five games. And they've played some, you know, uh, some weaker opponents like Veracruz on Saturday, uh, Chiapas as well, obviously the relegated side, uh, and Querétaro not too long ago. So I think they, they'll have probably, you know, Piojo as well is a very experienced coach. So I think he'll have rested his his players somewhat uh, i imagine he'll have been yeah kind of having his his mindset on on the ligia on the playoffs coming up and um focusing on them and making sure that his players are in the best possible shape they've won one well, and won but they've they finished top of the regular season both the apertura and clausura which is a, an amazing feat and it shows just how good a team they are. But to, to be remembered as a, as a top team, they've got to do something in, in this Ligia. And it would be really disappointing for them if they had two quarterfinal defeats after two first place finishes. Where did Morelli have a chance? I think 
if they can get at that Tijuana defence. Now, Tijuana have conceded 22 goals in the Clausura. That is the highest amount of any team that have made it into Ligia. Uh, so, I think they... Yes, you can get at them, I would say. You can get at them. And they're having to play... I think he's done a, a decent job from what I've seen, but they ha- well, there's a couple of them, a couple of youngsters they've had to give some time to lately. Uh, Munoz and Vargas have had to play some games, and they've been missing a, a few defenders here and there through through injuries. And uh, I think the the big one is Aguilera, who didn't play against Veracruz, um, hasn't played for a few weeks actually. And the Argentine has, has been really good for them this season, and is a it's a top quality defender. So he he's certainly a miss. And with Morelia's attack, yeah, I think they can get at them. Obviously, Rudiaz is on such great form right now. Must be full of confidence after the hat trick against Pumas, scoring that vital, vital last minute goal that's kept them in the league. Plus, there's plenty of other attacking talent there. A plethora of wingers from uh, Vilchis, who's, who's been superb lately. I'm a massive fan of his, and I really, really hope he keeps getting getting minutes and showing everyone what he can do. Um, Cuero's got the pace. Um, you've got Andy Polo, again, tricky player. Sarate, uh, and um, you know, plus some some other attacking attacking midfielders like Diego Valdez or uh, Gaston Lescano who's been in the team lately, and all, all good players. I think they've got a good attacking side that could get at Tijuana. But Cholos have to be favourites. They've got probably the two players of the season. Um, yeah, perhaps you chuck Rudiaz into the into the mix and say there's been three stand-up players this season, Rudiaz being one. But the other two, certainly Guido Rodriguez and Aviles Utada, both of whom play for Cholos. So... Cholos favourites, if Morelia can get at that defence and can score a few goals, they've got a chance. But you have to make Cholos favourites for this one. Next game is the second seeds against the seventh seeds, which is Clásico Regio. Tigres Monterrey. Okay, we've got two Clásicos in the league year called finals this year, one one of which is this one. Really, really interesting matchup and an absolute nightmare for Tigres. Tigres really would have wanted to play someone like Chivas or Tijuana, who they've recently beaten, I would say. Uh, they didn't want this game. They didn't want this game at all. They've they've been on good form, but even in their good form, they lost to Rayados. Rayados haven't been in good form themselves. They lost their last two games. But when it comes to these Clásicos... I think that I, we saw it in the last Clásico. Turco got one over Tuca. He really did. And he, what he did so well was stop Tigres from creating anything. We all know about Tigres as a star. They're, they love possession. They keep the ball really, really well. Uh, but that means they don't take many risks in possession. They, they don't try to push too many players forward. They don't try and play too many risky passes and Monterrey are such a good team at dealing with this Turco Mohamed is such a good manager uh, at playing pragmatically they will sit deep they will keep it compact they will deny space in the final third for Tigres and they always have a threat on the counter Funes Mori holds up the ball and you've got the, the pace of Pabon 
um, excellent player. Uh, you know, plus oh, the likes of Chara, Carlos Sanchez, Cardona. What'll be interesting to see is whether Sanchez and Cardona get games though in this in this classical in the two legs. When Monterrey beat Tigres one uh, 0 recently, neither of them started. He went for a more defensive lineup, and I think that worked very well. And he might do the same thing again. The only difference now, I guess, is is the Tigres attack after scoring eight in their last two games should be full of confidence. They should have more confidence going into this game. The other difference is the lineup. Edu Vargas out. Chino Zelarayan in. Zelarayan has been so much more effective than Vargas. Getting on the ball, making things happen in, from that number 10 role. Whereas Vargas just didn't look like he, he really had settled in. He didn't look like he was linking up very well with, with the rest of the team. Zelarayan has been making them click. He's been linking together the attacks so well. Such a such a creative player. But we've seen him against teams that have given him space, too much space. Monterey, I expect them to deal better with Zelleran. The question is, and I think that could end up being the decisive factor in the game, actually. Can Zelleran be marked out of the game? Uh, probably you think Walter Gargano, defensive midfielder, will, will have this job. Zelleran, a bit younger, a bit quicker might be able to use his movement to get space and, and get away from Gargano and make things happen. But if he's marked out the game, I think Tigres will struggle because they, without him, they won't get much service into their attackers and I can see them just, you know, doing their old passing it round endlessly. Um, eventually, Aquino tries to take on the defender and maybe gets a cross in, but, but it's normally dealt with. So... Personally, despite Tigres' great form, despite all this, the star-studded team, I reckon um, Monterrey uh, should be considered favourites for this game uh, because of how, uh, how the game sits tactically. Okay, Clásico Tapatio is next. Atlas against Chivas. The interesting thing here is the injuries, really, for Chivas. They're missing, they've been missing so many players recently and they've been in a horrible run of form. But you've got to feel for them because, yeah, they, they haven't got anywhere near what their strongest starting 11 is. They've had to really mix and match with how they've played. They've had to change up, you know, bring in, bring in backup players. They've had to move Orbelin Pineda to an attacking midfield role recently and... They haven't done very well, which isn't surprising. Even though they do have great strength and depth, we know this because they won Copa Mekis with a full reserve team, but it's difficult when you're mixing in teams. Like that Copa Mekis team started to get used to each other, started to get used to playing together. What we've got now is kind of a mix and match where a few players that don't have much experience playing together are being chucked in a team together. And... Some of those players are having to kind of not play in their favourite position. Like, yeah, Pineda attacking mid or um, Avion Calderon back on the wing, which was his position when he was younger, but it's not anymore. Like Salcedo back into midfield. You know, all these things, that they, they don't add up to 
a good combination. So that's a massive issue, I think, for Chivas. On the other hand, Atlas are looking decent. Um, they, of course, lost to Chiapas, but before that, they, they had been undefeated in six. Uh, ever since, interestingly, ever since Rafa Marquez uh, dropped out of the team injured. I think they've got a good system there. I've spoken about them before. Profe Cruz has managed to find um, a team that, that plays really well together and a tactic that works effectively. As, I, as I've said before as well, the fullbacks really are the threat for Atlas. Madueña down the right, although he was missing on Saturday, so we'll see if he's back for the, for the Ligia. And uh, Luis Reyes on the left, the most creative defender in the league this season, statistically. With those two bombing forward, plus their wingers, Daniel Alvarez and Brian Garnica, it offers a problem for Chivas. And whoever plays on the wing for Chivas is going to have to be very disciplined and do their defensive work. If they're playing Chofis Lopez on the wing, you can see there could potentially be an issue there because Chofis, young player, you know, not the most disciplined defensively. Personally, if they can, I think Chivas should be playing Chofis as a number 10. Uh, he's statistically the most creative player in the league this season. No player has made um, more key passes per attempted pass this season. And I think he excels in, in that number 10 role. So I'd like to see him, um, given, the, given the game there, if it's possible, if there are a couple of good wingers that are fit to play. I think Chivas will, will do well for that. But considering the injuries, Atlas have a fantastic chance in this game. I think it's going to be really, really close though. Very close time. All of these could be very close, to be honest. Final one is Santos Toluca. Now this is really interesting because they just played last night. 2-2 draw between Santos and Toluca. Toluca were 2-0 up at half-time, but Santos pulled it back for their 11th draw of the season. Santos have only lost once, which makes them sound pretty good for Ligia. I mean, you know, only only losing one game is, is impressive. And if you if they can keep that up and they don't lose in Ligia, then they've got a great chance. On the other hand, though, if they draw both times against Toluca, then Toluca have um, the advantage of being the highest seed. Three red cards were handed out during the game between Santos and Toluca, which offers a problem for both teams because they'll be missing some key players. For Toluca, they've lost Jesus Mendes, which I think is a massive problem. Now, Toluca play with a, a diamond midfield and a 4-4-2 um, system, but a diamond midfield. And what Mendes offers, he plays on the right-hand side, but obviously plays quite narrow as a, a more defensive-minded midfielder. He offers them more cover defensively. He makes sure that there, yeah, there's there's enough um, defensive cover for attacking players like Barrientos or Alche, and he allows them to to push forward a bit more and to to be fluid in their attack and and not have to kind of stick rigidly to to their positions. Without him, the the when they played last time they played without him, they played Esquivel ahead of him was when they played at home against Puebla. And Puebla won this game 3-1, I think it was. Um, and they just ripped them apart on the counter. Uh, they were... Yeah, it was 3-1. Uh, 
Um, they, yeah, they Toluca were so open defensively, and it was way too easy for Puebla to to break that break them down and create chances on the counter attack. Without Mendes, if they go for Esquivel over Mendes, which is the most probably the most likely option, this is a problem. And uh, Antonio Rios can't hold the midfield together, can't do everything defensively on his own. He needs support. You expect that Cristante has learned from that game against Puebla. He obviously hasn't hasn't made the same mistake again. He's always played Mendes on the on the right midfield ever since, but. Now he now he doesn't have the option of Mendes, so it could be a, a big issue for them, and Santos could have a lot of joy from that. However, Santos are missing a lot of creativity going forward. Sandoval and Janini were the two players to be sent off on uh, Saturday. Um, yeah, both players have had really good seasons, and they've been, yeah, I'd say, creative forces for them going forward. Sandoval is is a player that I like a lot. I think he's he's versatile. He's he he's played out as a, a, a as an outright winger, and he's played more centrally as well. I think he's done really well all season. Janini is a player that I think is okay. I'm not I'm not too much of a fan of his, but when he when he gets running with the ball, he's a he's a physical presence and fairly good technically too. So uh, he he's certainly a miss, and it'll be interesting to see what sort of players. Santos bring in uh, Emilio Almenteros and Mauricio Cuero were on the bench on Sunday and, and those are probably the two most likely options that they'll bring in but either way both sides weakened for the first leg so that first leg yeah it might be a bit tight bit cagey uh, injuries could also play a part Toluca have been missing Osvaldo Gonzalez uh, the centre-back and uh, they missed Fernando Uribe on Sunday as well both very experienced players, top top quality, and uh, with their backups being the, the young Mexican Jordan Silva and the either the young Mexican uh, Martin Abundis or the slightly older Mexican slash Englishman Antonio Elruni Pedrosa, they're not quite the same quality, not quite the same standard, and. So that's a, that's certainly a loss for Toluca. Santos have a fantastic defensive partnership with Arajo and Izquierdos, but if anyone can break them down, it is Mr. Barrientos. Such an intelligent player. The most fouled player in Liga Mekis this season, even more than Chucky Lozano. Again, another close tie. Who's going to take it? Uh, I, I'm going to go Santos. I'm going to go Santos to take it. It's been a disappointing season for André Pierre Gignac, but the Frenchman is adapting well to Mexico. He seems to be loving the culture, the way of life, the fans certainly. And he also seems to have adjusted to this whole Ligia system. Both in the Apertura and the Clausura, he's been poor, he's been quiet. And then suddenly he's come alive just when it matters most. Hat trick on Saturday. 
against Carretero to secure Tigres' place in uh, the playoffs. And now he heads into Ligia in good form and a feared man once again. He'd averaged one goal every 6.98 shots this season before Saturday, but after Saturday, he's averaging one every 6.14. Still not anywhere as good as players like Rui Diaz, Mauro Bocelli, or Silvio Romero this season. However, it is still, uh, it's an improved record, and it's not a bad one. Not what we expect from Gignac, but it's not bad. He had a fantastic week, of course, scoring three times against Carretero, and showed everyone you know, why he is a feared striker, why he is the biggest star in Liga Mekis, if not the best player, but certainly the biggest star that's around. Will he produce it in Ligia? That's the big question. Like I said earlier, he needs that service. He needs Zellerian over Vargas. He needs Zellerian to be able to, to find some space, some time, get on the ball and cause problems for the Monterey defence and whoever else Tigres face if they make it through the quarterfinals and go further in the competition. I haven't always been too impressed with him. Like I said, you know, he's... He does miss a lot of chances, certainly more than you'd expect for someone with such a big reputation. But after Saturday, he looks in full confidence again. He's ready for Ligia and uh, yeah, certainly someone that Monterey will have to pay very close attention to during the quarterfinals. few questions to get through this week first of all at Uvas Deportes asks um, what odds do you give the magical Monarchas to upset Morelia so obviously I've been through this a bit before but what odds I think they've got a good chance like I said if they can use it, I, I think so much depends on, on what their mental and physical state is which I can't say but they're either like I said they're either going to be really fatigued and just not not ready really um, not in a great shape or they're going to be in fantastic shape they're going to come off such a high feeling full of confidence and yeah with their attack with, with Rui Diaz and Co up there against a Tijuana defence that is the least solid in the playoffs they've got a chance I think Tijuana was a, a great draw for them because I think they can get at them this could be a really high-scoring game, uh, a really high-scoring tie. Obviously, hope it is going to be. Uh, but on paper, it looks like one of those, which could be fantastic. So I would say I, I don't really know that much odds. I don't really do betting and stuff. But maybe a, a, a third of a chance I'll, I'll give them against uh, Scholes. Next from from at Senor Bartista asks, Three points in the last six games for Chivas. What's a bigger blow to them? Inconsistency or injuries? Like I said earlier, I think it's more about the injuries and the fact they've had to shuffle the team and people have been playing in uncomfortable positions. And there's been you know, players in there that, that aren't used to playing with each other. So certainly I think injuries is a bigger problem. But even so, I would say that like everyone else in the league they're not that consistent 
they're not the finished article. I've I've spoken about this before. They they still struggle in some games when, like Tigres, to a lesser extent, when some teams sit defensively and compact, and and they they struggle to break them down. They take a lot more risks than Tigres. They send on tons of attackers. You know, um, certainly that's. That's something that um, Almeida is, is not afraid of doing, sending on loads of attacking players. But I think often it hasn't worked. And that's a massive problem, I would say, with Chivas, is when they struggle, when they need a goal, when they're struggling to break down an, an opponent, there seems to be no plan B, really, apart from just throwing on as many attackers as possible uh, without much of a plan of what they're going to do. So I would say, yeah, injuries have been the main problem for Chivas and why they've been struggling the past few weeks. But consistency is also an issue. And yeah, well, I mean, you don't need to be that consistent to win Ligia, though. You've only got to do it for six games. They're in with a chance, that's for sure. Final question from Adjanet L93. Who would you salvage from Chiapas? So yeah, let's end this. Let's end this week with um, talking about Chiapas, who have exited Liga Mekis after that incredible Rui Diaz ninety-first uh, minute goal. It was uh, sad to see them go for me, certainly. They're a team that uh, are close to my heart because of how much joy they've given me over the past two years. Let's forget about the Cardoso era where they were just dire and, and not fun to watch at all. But under La Volpe and under Bueno, they have been really, really exciting team to watch. They've been fearless. They've taken on the big teams and they've beaten the big teams, so many of the big teams this season. In fact, they haven't got a win against any side outside the top nine this season. And ultimately... That's what's cost them, and that's why they're going down. But you've got to give them respect for how they play and how they've managed to get results against the big teams. They have played a brand of football that has just been extraordinary, and it's it's opened my eyes. It's 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 given me so much joy throughout the campaign. There. And it was the same under La Volpe. It was the same under La Volpe. But I, I think Bueno's taken it a little bit further in terms of the entertainment fa- factor, but with less of an end product. When they have the ball, they are so confident, so committed, and so brave to to playing, to playing it, to keeping it on the deck, to play out from the back, even under high press, to to never looking to play it long. You know, always, if they get into a tight space, they look to use their quality. They look to move it uh, quickly around the opposition. They look to take on opponents. And they, they play through the press. They play out of those tight spaces. There's so much outrageous stuff, so much outrageous football uh, that they do. So many tricks and flicks, for, uh, particularly from the likes of... Jonathan Fabro this season, who has been an absolute delight to watch. So much intelligent football. The attack is ridiculously fluid. Players popping up all over the place. Uh, 
constantly yeah, switching positions. And there's no end product. And defensively, they're all over the place. And they have been for, for the whole campaign. But for what they've done when in possession, it's been so entertaining. And even, I mean, they've scored 27 goals across the 2016-17 season. But I would call them, in my opinion, the most entertaining team to watch this season. That's how good. That's how much fun I've had watching them. Um, so it's a great train they're going down. And uh, as I've written in my weekend review, which you can see on up on footmixnation.com, it's proof, unfortunately, that substance is needed as well as style. Chepas had all the style in the world. But they didn't have any substance. They didn't have the end product. They didn't have a solid back line. And they had better style than I've ever seen from a team in my life. But you can't just have style. Which is sad. <laughs> and it's really sad to for me to see the my favourite team ever to watch get relegated. But it's a lesson. You know, it is a lesson and it is a results game. You do you do need to pick up results in football. And, and I love when teams are ambitious and, and play with this sorts of style. But there has to be some substance as well. And that's an unfortunate fact of, of football. And that's the way of the world. Who would I salvage from them? Tons of players. I think Munoz, although there's rumours of him going to the MLS, is has proved himself to certainly be an asset. It could be great for perhaps the newly promoted team to pick up as an experienced member of the squad. Defence, I would leave altogether. Certainly, please, no one touch Mosquera. Just don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Midfield, loads of them. Uh, Quick Mendoza, definitely good enough. Jesus Escobosa, I think, has, has revitalised his career somewhat and is ready to have some more minutes. You've got... Uh, I think De La Torre, Diego De La Torre can still, can still do it as a deep-lying playmaker in there. As much as I hate to say it, I've been quite impressed with Lucas Silva. I used to think he was the worst player in the league, and I couldn't understand why he was a pro professional footballer, but he's actually been quite good lately. Maybe I'd leave him, though. Uh, Felix McColta has been superb. Such a great dribbler. I mean, getting the ball, try getting the ball off him. So difficult. He's been fantastic in the last few weeks. He's certainly a player I'd look at, at picking up. Although he's 35, Jonathan Fabro is an absolute genius. And a lot of teams could do worse than having him as a creative outlet, uh, as an enganche in, in the attacking midfield role. I'd be interested to see what happens with Mateus. I, I, I love him. I think he's got so much talent and... This is where, obviously, Bueno has, has, has pleased me so much this season, but I'm not happy at all about how he treated um, uh, how he treated Mateus, apparently kicking him out of the WhatsApp group or something. And it's not nice. It's not a nice story at all. But, hey, Chucky might go to Europe, and he could come and get some games for Pachuca, which I would love to see. Because I think he's got the, uh, uh, in terms of raw talent, He's got as much, if not more, than anyone else in the division. I'm trying to think if I've if I've mentioned them all. Uh, just trying to think of a few names. 
Yeah, the last one I'll leave you with is Dieter Pando, whose next move is crucial for his career. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to settle down at a club, but he is so talented, so talented. I think he's he might he, he's found it playing as like a number eight rather than a number ten in a deeper role, getting on the ball so much, using that creativity, amazing vision, um, great dribbler. You know, holds onto the ball really well. I think he's absolutely superb and he is the biggest talent that Mexico have missed out on in the last few years he needs to go to a club that are going to play him and look at him he's so good someone needs to have watched him and surely they'll be all over him because he could make a team click whenever Chiapas have been without him they haven't been anywhere near as good as when they've had him so I'm hoping he gets a good move and gets lots of game time. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Honestly, if if he gets a full run in a team for a whole season, I reckon people are going to be talking about him um, potentially getting a Mexico call-up. I think he's that good. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this week. And that's going to be it for a few weeks of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra, unfortunately. I've got a massive... A few weeks coming up at work and I'm not going to have any time. In fact, I'm only going to have one day off in the next two weeks, I think. So watching Ligia is going to be tough (laughs) and I'm unfortunately going to miss quite a lot of it. Uh, And this podcast uh, is also going to take a backseat for a while. But the good news is that... Uh, from the 7th of July for three months I will be in the United States so I'm going to be there for the Gold Cup and the start of the next Liga Meki season so you guys can expect uh, tons of coverage over the summer from me and myself and Raul are certainly planning to do a lot of Colourful Kit Podcasts uh, between the two of us. I'm not sure what I'll do with the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra, whether I'll do any over the summer uh, with a Mexico focus or whether I'll just leave it and, and wait for the next Liga Mickey season. We'll, we'll see what happens in on that front. So, yeah, uh, I just want to say, as I may not do one for a while, I may get one in before the end of the season, uh, hopefully. But if I don't get one in for a few weeks, then... I just want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening, uh, sending in the questions, which I have so much fun answering, and all the retweets, all the likes, everything. Uh, Thank you so much, guys. And certainly this isn't the last episode. There will be tons more of these coming out in the future. Uh, I will be back on them weekly for the next Ligemeki season. So, yeah, thanks again for the support. uh, And... Enjoy la guía. Para Jefferson Montero. Va a la raya de fondo. Frena. Saca. Tira. Centro. 